So I was given away at three years old in the foster care system in 1986. Man, so it was a, a tough time, bounced around between a lot of homes, uh, beaten, you know, tortured, abused, a lot of craziness. Hi, this is Shlomo Solson, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, specific strategies on how you as a teenager can overcome any challenges in your life. Right now, we're going through a difficult time, especially being locked down at home, schools are canceled. Uh, we can't see friends, we can't see family members, we can't travel, graduations are ca- canceled. That can lead to anxiety, that can lead to depression, that can just lead to a lot of negativity. So go ahead, um, I've interviewed people from all around the world, fifty uh, over 50 people from seven different countries on what they've gone through, how they overcame it, and how you can too. I've compiled a, a list of 52 things that I wish I knew someone told me in high school, Go ahead, download it. It should take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour to read on your free time. Uh, I know a lot of people have a lot of free time. Go ahead, implement just a couple of these these tips a month, and it could completely change your life. If you're not following me on Instagram, my Instagram handle name is at Shlomo Solson. It's in the description, and um, you're going to see a personal side to me. You're going to put a link of face to my voice, and then... Also, DM me. If you're going through any type of struggle right now, DM me what they are. I'm always glad to listen to you, to help as much as possible, and uh, share with me what your favorite Teenage Impact podcast tip is, what type of topics you would like to listen to. So DM me at Shlomo Salson. Today's podcast guest is Anthony Trucks. Anthony Trucks is uh, this phenomenal human being. I discovered him not too long ago, and he had to endure a lot of different hardships in his life. At the age of three, his mom gave him and three of his siblings up for foster care. He was abused. He went through starvation until finally he found uh, this family at the age of six who kind of brought him in and then finally adopted him at the age of 14. He was the only black kid in a white family, and he had a lot of trouble really changing his mindset about himself. He found himself. He always saw himself as his foster care kid, but he played football and his football was kind of the savior for him. And then by the age of 14, he started playing football. He made it to the NFL, but the third season he was injured, which took him out and he had to change his identity again, shift his identity again. After his NFL career ended, he found himself in a slump. He didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. Him and his wife got a divorce and he found himself worthless and went through depression. Eventually, he got right back on his feet in his late 20s. And ever since, in the past six or seven years, he's done a lot of amazing stuff from being an American Ninja Warriors to owning a gym to coaching businesses and kids to speaking around the country. And today we're going to talk about how you, or whether you're stuck at home, whether you're being abused, whether you are in foster care, how you can shift your identity by just in three simple steps. So give it up for Anthony Trucks. How you doing, Anthony? Doing great, man. Great. How you doing, man? Good, man. I know you're on lockdown right now in California. Lockdown. I'm good, Coronavirus going on, but yeah, we're going to some productive stuff happen. We're going to discuss some really valuable topics, especially uh, during these rough times for teens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, let's you know, dive into you. I know you were um, given to a foster home 
by the age of three. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, I'll give you what we'll call it the Reader's Digest version, right? The, the short one for those young bucks who don't know what that is. Uh, so I was given away at three years old in the foster care system in 1986. Man, so it was a, a tough time, bounced around between a lot of homes, uh, beaten, you know, tortured, abused, a lot of craziness, and uh, ended up being adopted at 14, so 11 years in the system. But I was with the same family at six years old on to 14. Uh, and that family was an all-white family. I'm an African-American man. So dealt with a lot of different stuff with who am I, where do I fit, what's going on, like how do I find myself in this world? Uh, and then, yeah, man, of that, just got to the 14, got to play football for the first time. It was horrible, but figured it out. Got a college scholarship. My mom, unfortunately, got diagnosed with MS. Uh, after going to college and coming out of college, I had to play in the NFL with the Bucks, Redskins, Steelers. Uh, tried to open a gym, which I did open a gym. Didn't do very well the first like year of it, but figured it out. But in doing so, Lost my wife, my marriage, my health, man. Life kind of went downhill. Hit a really bottom, bottom. Like I wanted to take my life at one point, dude. And so climbed out of it. Let's go back to, um, let's slow down a little bit. Let's go back to, you know, when you were um, given at the age of three. You know, yeah. I read mm-hmm. your story where from the age of three to the age of six, you were in and out and you were being abused. Yeah. Um, and it's tough because at that time, it's what we call a paycheck, which is one of those situations yeah. where, as long as I don't die in the system, the people, my foster parents are still get a paycheck for me. It's really okay. not a good system that way. And it's changed a little bit, but not vastly. But at the time, man, yeah, people would, they, they would like make me have to like, like chase chickens to earn meals at night. They put me in, you know, shopping carts, push you down hills, like make me lick to the bottom of kids shoes till my tongue bled, like wow. super weird, heinous, like torturous kind of things. Okay. And then where's your mind during these times? Like how are how are you trying to stay positive? I wasn't trying to stay positive. I was, I was a little kid, man. You know what it is? At that time, all you're trying to do is like is stay in a place of somewhat like not being hurt. So like, yeah. I would get randomly, you know, hit and kicked and punched by people. You know, so you try to avoid all that. The time, man, I just it seriously get to a point of like, why me? And you, kid, like, why me? Were you and your siblings together at that time? weren't the first house we went to my brother and I were in the same house and I guess my sisters were in the same house but then at one point went back to our home for a little bit like really little bit of time we were put right back in the foster care like quickly after and then we were not with each other at any point after that and then what about your house from age six to 14 six to 14 man we were really poor dude Uh, all white family besides me the one black guy and I always had you know it wasn't a very diverse community at the time and yeah, we were really poor. So I mean, we had like, you know, rats in the pantry, cockroaches in the garage. We had, used to get clothes out of a, a black trash bag in the middle of the hallway. We used to get from like Goodwill donations. So yeah, man, we weren't, uh, we weren't doing too well. Yeah. Then what happened? Did you go to a different family by 14? No. At 14, I, I, that family adopted me. The thing is that family, oh, okay. eventually life started getting better. So like my, my mom remarried a guy, her first husband, I was there was like a drunk, used to beat her and me and weird stuff. And then she remarried a good guy and life got better. So we ended up going to a nicer home, uh, you know, in the same town, but a nicer home and things got a little bit better. How do you stay positive during these times? Because, you know, I actually mm-hmm. have, I, I know a youth speaker, his name is Josh Ship. He was in and out of foster homes mm-hmm. for many, many years of his life up until the age mm-hmm. of 14. Yeah. And, um, you know, times are tough. Uh, how can you stay yeah. positive? 
Yeah, no, Josh Shipp. Uh, he has a company, I think, a speaking company called like Youth Speakers Association or something like that. Youth Speakers Academy. Yeah, yeah good dude. I'm, I'm uh, actually, right. part of it right now too. Hey, there you go. Yeah, they got some good guys in there. Um, you know, for me, positivity comes from a place of uh, perspective. So when I see something as dire and unfixable and it can never be any better, I I just get low on my my you know hopes and dreams and and I end up living in that emotional space of thinking that nothing is possible. I can't do anything. Why even try? And for me, positivity comes from seeing something that gives me a little bit of hope, that gives me a purpose to work towards something, and then the positivity comes from me accomplishing something. So when I'm like, hey, this looks possible, let me try this, and I work towards it. Yes, I might do poorly. It's possible. It's very very possible. But if if I do well. If I win, if I get a little small win or a success, I get more more joy. I feel a little better about myself. And so I always seek those. In dark times, I seek that one win that can spark the next one that's bigger. Uh-huh. And that's probably what you did with football. Like, uh, tell us about your football journey. You just tried out, had no idea what you were doing at 14 no, years old. No, no, no. I mean, you don't because, well, all my peers, they were all, you know, they've been right. playing for four or five, six, seven years. Some of them have been playing for a long time. So when I get there at 14, I'm behind the ball. I don't have any chops. I was playing at recess, like running around catching a ball, but that's not the same as tackle football with mm-hmm. plays. You know, it's way different. So I thought like I'm out there killing it at recess and I go and play with a helmet on and I am not very good. So mm-hmm. I did. I sucked my first year. And by this time, I'm like, I'm about to go into high school. So at the end of my year, I'm like, well, I'll try it one more year in, in high school, freshman football, try out and I'll see what I can do. So I went out there and I actually for three games of the season, I did well. But the third, I think the fourth game, like I, I, I just crapped in the field, man. I went out there and did horribly. And it shut me down to the extent of like I gave up. I still wasn't very good. I did okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm never going to be good at this. I'm just this foster kid who's not going to you know, do very much of his life. My mom, she's sick. My brother went out to the military. I'm one of six in that family. My brother was like my rock and he was gone. So I was like, you know, no one cared about school in my family. So I was like, I'm just going to tuck away. So I was li- literally just sleeping in class hanging out, checked out completely. And I was in this class, Mr. Howell's English class. Uh, he, was, he was this cool dude. He, he, we actually have the same birthday. We still share the same mm-hmm. birthday. And he, he, this thing, like you just hang out in class. And so I would sit in the back right corner opposite of his desk. And there was this couch he had, a love seat. And people could sit there and hang out during class. Well, one day I'm sitting there sleeping, like Parker, well, not really sleeping, like, you know, I had Parker with my head, like laying down, like I am sleeping. And these two girls are sitting next to me. And one girl is talking to another girl and she says, well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And really it's a simple statement. It's not like this life-changing one, but for me, here's the magic. I got to hear my excuse out loud and it was stupid sounding. And she was, like, saying, and she was saying that to herself. To somebody else. She was having a conversation with some uh-huh. girl next to her. So when you hear somebody make an excuse that you're like, that, that just didn't sound right. The rest of the whole entire day, I was like twisted up inside. Like, why, why is it that I'm going to go ahead and say later on in life, I'm going to maybe be broke and be, you know, statistically I'd be homeless. Um, mm-hmm. You know, three out of four inmates in a prison in America are former foster kids. Like that's the, that's the path I was heading down. I was like, why do I got to go there? Because of something that happened to me that I had no control over. I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to have that excuse run my life. And at 15 years old, like I, I made this choice. I, I got home and I looked in the mirror it was above my bed where I used to brush my hair because, you know, you got to be dipping back in the day, dog. And I, I was like, you know what, Aunt? You're going to be great. You're going to be great, dude. Like, I looked myself in my pupils, in my eyes. And I didn't know what great meant. 
at the time, it was like, I'm going to be great at like getting girls' phone numbers and I'm maybe <laughs> good at football, you know? And I chose football, dude. And I just, I went to work, went to work, man. And when I went to work, what I mean by that is I wasn't a great football player, but I figured if I do what great football players do, maybe I, I might find a way to get like them. So I would go hit the weights and I would go run routes and I start eating better and I start catching footballs and do all this stuff. And after a year of that, I show up the next year, I was an animal. Like I was a monster on the field. And the reason was simply because you were not going to beat me. I had done too much work in the dark that you didn't see. I deserved to win on this play and every single play. And it, it changed and shifted the entire trajectory of my life from that point on. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that it was, it was one change and that was just your mindset. What's a mindset? It, it's interesting because the work I do now is it's an identity. And the thing is, mindset is, is one of the six subsets of your identity. Part of it, yes, was my mindset in those moments, but it's also my beliefs, my thoughts, mm-hmm. my actions, my habits, and my self-character and pride. Like I was defending my pride in the moments when people wouldn't, wouldn't let me, you know, beat me and I, I had to win. I was defending the guy that like, I, I earned that. My mm-hmm. character, my pride is not going to let you take this from me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always the mindset because the mindset could be weak. Like if you have beliefs of what you should be doing, but your thoughts question it all day, you can have a weak mindset. Like, and, and so if you have a weak mindset, it's hard to be able to fo- fully show up and fight for yourself. So for me, it's like I had all these little things wrapped around. So mindset was definitely part of it, but it wasn't the only thing. At the core, it was now my identity that I was this football player that was great, and I was in a fight for that. Absolutely. And then eventually you got your scholarship, made it to the NFL, but then you had an injury, correct? Yeah, in, in college that injury, but NFL, yeah, man, tore my shoulder. Uh, I ended up being the end of the season, ended up being the end of my career. Yeah. So I had to go home and, and figure out like, who was Anthony without football? Big identity crisis. Man. And that was after how many years? Um, in my third year, got hurt in my third. Wow. And then how did you deal with that? You know, the wrong working, way. You've been working towards that for seven, eight years. What'd you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, you go home, you got to figure out how to find a sense of self again. So when I went home at that time, I was trying to figure out, like, how do I make Anthony feel special again? Because when you've been doing something for a long time and it's taken away, you don't know who you are without that thing. Mm-hmm. And, and when I came home, I was trying to figure out, well, who is Anthony without football? And it's not an easy question to answer. Like, it's not. And, and the same thing had to happen that took place years prior was I had to find a way to, like, put the work into some direction to create that for me. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, man, I, I ruined my marriage. I, I ruined the business because I didn't know what I was doing. I ruined my parenting. You know, I just, all the things fell apart. So uh, it ended up being this thing where I was forced to have to look at myself and figure out what are the things you got to do to be great? How do I turn, you know, the actions that were in the day, like football and lifting weights, how do I turn it into, at this point, not physical actions, they need to be mental actions, emotional actions, where do I have to take ownership for things I've been doing wrong as a husband or a father or a business owner? Where do I have to take actions that maybe drop my pride and swallow my, my ego, like swallow my pride, drop my ego, actually? Where did I have to spend more time doing something that was painful? Where did I have to lift the weights of life to get better? And when I did that, that's where things started changing vastly for me. How did you get to that point, though? Because no one just gets to that point right away and no. says, you know what? I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to do whatever it takes no. to do an internal change. What was that process? Did you read any books? Did you watch any videos? Did you have a mentor? 
No, at the time I didn't. You know what it was is uh, so at this time I'd, I'd gone through this craziness. I'd, I'd wanted to take my life. And I, I came out of that hole and I was still this guy trying to figure out life. And what it was was I got divorced with my wife. She had an affair and it drove me, you know, crazy and off this this dark edge. And this was a situation where I had to figure out like who's in it. So I started running around, man. I started, you know, doing things that people do to distract themselves. I was, you know, hanging out with people, drinking, multiple women. Um, I, I, I distanced myself from my faith, to be totally honest. I didn't feel good about it. And I woke up one day, uh, day after New Year's, uh, well, actually it was New Year's Day. It might have been New Year's Day itself. And I'd had this woman from Russia who had flown in and like didn't even speak English. We had like go through Google Translate. And it's just like it, I woke up and I look over and it's like it was all physical. And I, I couldn't even talk to this person. And it just felt, I just felt just, just gross. I was like, if my kids saw me or my son was doing this, I'd be disgusted. And that was a moment I was like, I got to figure something out because this, this isn't, this isn't it. This can't be it 10 years from now. And I, I swore off all women, man. I didn't do it. I didn't go out. I didn't drink. I didn't party. I just sat in my house and stared at a wall and started asking Anthony a lot of real hard questions because the common denominator, the one thing across all those areas was Anthony. So gotcha. if my business isn't doing well. My marriage isn't doing well. My health's not doing well. My parenting's not doing well. And those, all those things, it can't just be the economy and my wife and my kids are being bad kids. You know, like it's, it's got to be something that's in the middle of it. And lo and behold, I found me. And that's when I went in and started saying, like, damn, ants got to be better. Ants got to shift a little bit. And that's where I started doing the work to, to be able to be a better human. Mm-hmm. How did your parents play, the ones who adopted you, how did they play a vital role into you growing up to who you are today? Yeah, my parents, uh, my mom, unfortunately, in 2014, she passed away. And her major role was that she taught me how to love. Mm -hmm. For a lot of years as a foster kid, I had no reason to trust anybody or anything. And everybody prior to that had all been like, you know, hurt me and beat me and lied to me and starved me. And she loved me. First person, like, give me a love that opened me up a little bit. And and then for my dad, he's, he's been a welder for so many years, like, selflessly took care of my wife or my wife, my mom, his wife, and all the kids. Like he would, you know, he literally would be up at four in the morning out and be back home, you know, food, taking care of the bills, taking care of my mom. Like, dude, he, he hunkered down and he was a young guy. Like he's only 12 years older than me. <laughs> like it's, he gets down. And so I got to learn from my mom how to, how to love. And I got to learn from my dad how to work. Gotcha. And did you ever reconnect with your biological parents? My real mom, no. She's kind of a ghost. I don't know. Nobody knows where she's at. My mm-hmm. biological dad, I found him when I was 21 mm-hmm. and met him for the first time. When I first met him, uh, which actually took place at my first college start uh, on national television, and I got a game ball. It's an interesting day. The game ball's above my head, actually. This is the ball that I got the day I met my dad. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was interesting because... So my dad, when I first met him, he had no idea existed. You know, he, when I first caught him on the phone and met him, he's like, I had no idea. And then nine years later, um, before he passed away from uh, cancer, he actually told me like, hey, I, I didn't know you existed. I just didn't know how to tell you. He was very apologetic about it. So yeah, I did meet him, uh, but no idea who, where my mom's at right now. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a lot of foster children in that situation. And when they finally do get adopted, it's tough because they're so used to, you know, living in that mindset and living that, hey, I'm not worth being loved. Um, what would you tell them once they do get adopted? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, is we uh, as foster kids, we put these walls up that are like, I don't want any way to hurt me anymore. 
And I did that because that wall is a protective one. It makes you feel safe. So you get, you get angry at people quickly. You don't let anybody in because you don't want someone to get in and have the controls and make you feel bad again. The problem is uh, that we, unfortunately, as we're blocking out the bad things, we're also keeping the good out. And for me, the thing that was helpful was realizing that, like, I, as a foster kid, we get a, get a pretty good, like, filter. We have a good sensor. Mm-hmm. I can usually see somebody now and like I can in the first few moments I can tell if you're genuine if you're hiding something. My wife thinks I'm like a weird like psychic but I can tell if somebody has something going on in life by just a phone call sometimes. Mm-hmm. I can hear in their voice and it's worse if I'm in person with you because I can see it behind your eyes. But I had to learn that after just watching so many people and determining like is this person going to hit me, starve me, beat me? And you start learning how to like navigate the world and how to get what you need and so it's like uh, all me for a lot of years I got to figure it out on my own. And, and when I finally let people, uh, let people in, I could realize like, all right, I can let you in, but if you start acting funny, bro, I'll kick you out quickly. Uh-huh. So now in life, the wall is not a wall. It has a door on it. So it's like a building and the door, I'll open it up if you feel like a good fit. But when you come in, bro, that same door is open to kick you back out. So I let people in. I have great relationships that way. I let people come in. And I love on them. But the moment they do something crazy, they're out and there is no reentry. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now let's fast forward to who you are now. You know, what were some of the, once you had that identity shift again in your late twenties, uh, what were some of the accomplish, accomplishments in the past, you know, five to seven years? Oh man, I have, uh, I've fixed my marriage and it's back together. Amazingly. I got my family back together, which my family is my life. Uh, outside of that, what else I got? I I've been able to be on cool TV shows. I've been on a national geographics remote survival. I've been an American Ninja warrior three times. I'm now, the first former NFL athlete to hit a buzzer on the show. Uh, I've grown businesses to over seven figures. I have traveled the world. I speak in front of, you know, thousands of people at a time, everything from kids, you know, at risk youth to large corporations. I train companies like Amazon uh, on identity work. So yeah, man, it's uh, it's been an interesting climb in a whole new world for me, but it all came from me just uh, unpacking my life, mm-hmm. doing that hard work years ago. Now you do have a three-step process, correct? To I do, yeah. Your identity, what is that? C, shift, sustain. The shift is, is uh, I'm skipping the C stage. The shift is the work. It's how you actually put together a structured process of the right work for you to do to be able to shift your life. It's the, the shifting beliefs, thoughts, actions, mindset, habits, and then character and self-image. So it's shifting those, but you can't shift them all individually. It's really, really hard. You shift the core, which is your identity, but there's ways you do that through actions. Only actions make the work happen. The problem for a lot of people is they're, they're doing the work, but they're doing the wrong work. It's like you, you climb this, this ladder leaning against the building and you get all the way to the top and you expect to be where you're supposed to be. And then you realize, oh crap, the ladder's leaned against the wrong building. Mm-hmm. That's why we start with the C stage. The C stage is go in, unpack, and get real clear on the actual things holding you back that are making you stay stagnant. They're, they're forcing you to do work that is the wrong work. That's why you can't seem to get ahead. So you work with the C stage first, unpack where you're at. And I call it like unhitching the trailer so you can actually move free and then find the direction you want to go. The shift is doing the work and sustain. It's about sustaining the, the traction and progress of how you operate your identity now, but also sustain perspectives of where the next level for you is. Gotcha. And then how can uh, a 15 year old use that in their life? No. No. Yeah. So what's one, what, what's one action step they can do right now today to mm. change their identity or shift yeah, their so, identity? 
something that I call uh, triad talks, I would always start with the C stage. There's no reason to start doing work without seeing things. What you do is you talk to people, three or from people, two people that you know are close to you that love you, they'll give it to you real, like honest, they love you. And then one person that you've kind of had a problem with for a while. Maybe you guys have been um, arguing or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't go find like the school bully or something. That's just crazy. But what you do is you ask them, hey, based on how you see me, what are the things that you think I should work on? So I would go ask like, a mom, a dad, an uncle, cousin, like openly and say, what are the things that you see in me that, that you know are not healthy for my future? And then let them talk without interrupting them. Don't make rebuttal. Don't try to you know, defend yourself. Nothing. Just listen and don't say anything. And then the other person, the third person, a person that usually will give it to you real like, hey, what do I got to work on? And let that person vent and, get, and it's going to feel bad as they tell you stuff, but don't take it personal. What you do is you take it with a sense of like, here's how I can improve. Not personal, but improvement. And what you do is you go away from those conversations and say, all right, here's what I was told. Where do I see some things lining up? You know, if, if, if all three people said the same thing, you might want to look at working on that. And then the action step is work on that. It's powerful because, you know, for as we're trying to achieve success, whether you're trying to go into college and you feel like, hey, I can't go to college because no one in my family has been to college or maybe mm-hmm. you're trying to achieve in certain uh, sports or maybe, you know, f- for me, I know when I was in high school, I couldn't talk to girls and I always mm-hmm. had these limited beliefs that, Hey, you know, no girl would like me. I'm not good at public speaking. I'm not good at communication, but eventually down the road, you really have to, you must actually have that conversation with yourself. And yeah. somewhere along those lines, people, engrave that mindset to you which is not true so yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that do you have any last tips for a struggling teenager right now that's going through a rough time especially with the coronavirus going, um, going around yeah man the craziness uh talk to people i think one of the things that adults always run into is we, we wish we would have been more open at a younger age and what i mean by more open is like we you live in a bubble when you're in high school and a young age with everybody it just has your perspective all you guys have such limited like mindsets because there's only so much information you guys have all accessed. And we all look at the adults as the enemy. They're just, Oh, the adults, right? They're old. They're out of touch. Like we're not out of touch as being a human. <laughs> like I may not know how to do super crazy things on Snapchat and how I got to take pictures of myself doing weird stuff. Like, no, but if you ask me, how do I deal with this problem in life? I got you. I probably dealt with it like 17 times. Right? So when you're in those moments, have conversations with people, tell them how you feel. And you know that person, like we all, the kids, the kids, you listen, you know who that person is. There's certain people you don't go talk to. You're setting yourself up for failure if you do that. But you know that person that if you talk to them, they'll give you some insight. If you're struggling you're, and like you have some emotions that you don't know have to do with, just go have the conversation. Literally say, look, I, I, I trust you. You've always been there for me. Here's how I'm feeling. I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And let the conversation unfold. Okay. Awesome. Anthony, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, man, at Anthony Trucks. It's probably the fastest way to find me and see what I do. Great. And pleasure having you on. You know, I just yeah. discovered you maybe a couple of days ago. I know <laughs> you're on someone's podcast that I knew. And, dude, you're, you're awesome. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Happy to help. Seriously. Uh-huh. Great, man. That was a good interview. There's one thing I want you to get out of listening to this podcast. And that is think about one limiting belief that you have about yourself that's holding you back, whether you want to go ahead and be the first college graduate for your family or high school graduate, 
whether you want to go ahead and be successful, whether you want to be a successful athlete, whether you want to be a leader, whether you want to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it is. What's one limiting belief that you have? Because Anthony Trucks had a limiting belief that he was just a foster care kid, which is why when he first started playing football, he wasn't successful. And then as soon as he heard his own excuse, I'm just a foster care kid, he said, that's no excuse. That's when he kind of turned his life around and became a successful football player and made it to the NFL. And after his NFL career was over very early from an injury, he had to ask himself, you know, what limiting belief is holding me back from having a successful family? What's one limiting belief that's holding me back from having a successful career? And now he's done a lot of amazing things like being on American Ninja Warrior, coaching businesses and, co- and doing speaking engagements and being on podcasts. So let how you can discover that is you can ask your friends, you can ask your family members, you can ask your teacher, ask them, you know, what's one thing you would change about me? And having no judgment zone, just let them vent. And if you see a trend happening of what they say about you, choose that one thing and do whatever it takes to try to improve that. Maybe your limiting belief could be I'm too skinny. Or maybe your limiting belief is I'm not smart. Because no one in my family is smart. That's just an excuse you're telling yourself. Now, what if you, every day you tell yourself and say, I am smart. I am successful. Look at yourself in the mirror every single day. Tell you that. Tell yourself that every single day and watch your mentality shift. And now you're going to be telling yourself that you're smart, that you're going to be successful And then soon enough, all those negative beliefs about yourself is going to vanish. And when it pops up, hopefully your positive beliefs will overweigh your negative belief. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, go ahead, follow me on Instagram at Shlomo Solson. You're going to see a personal side to me and you're going to link up a face to a voice. So until next time, peace.